I invite your attention to the public reading of God's Holy Scripture as we find it in Romans chapter 16, verses 21 to 27. Romans chapter 16, 21 to 27. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, host to me and to the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you, and Quartus, the brother. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation the mystery which has been kept secret, for long ages past, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. So uh, it's kind of amazing. We've come end of our study in the book of Romans. It's very interesting. Um, Paul is going to simply end where uh, he began. Uh, And he speaks in a measure to the challenges that we face in our witness as a church, our witness as individuals, and by application, the challenges all of us face in our individual lives. But Paul, as he always does, uh, reminds us that God always provides. Uh, He always provides for his own. And he always provides for his own because he's able to apply his power. This is true in the advance of the gospel, which our church seeks to do. And of course, it also by application occurs in our individual lives. Uh, That we worship of God of all power. Uh, Verses 21 to 23 uh, we learn that uh, God has provisions uh, for witness from uh, within the church. So the church is a provision, a divine provision for the Apostle Paul. Uh, here there's an emphasis on greetings from Paul's companions. And by necessity, and I think it's an important necessity, That implies that Paul is laboring, but he's not alone. He has men and women who are his helpers. He had fellow workers who uh, provide encouragement to him, prayed for him. Begin Timothy, who was his legatee to carry the apostolic message to future generations. Very interesting that Paul made provisions in the providence of God uh, for someone to carry on in his absence. Part of our role as parents. Instruction, teaching of our children. Part of our work of discipleship within the church. Uh, Barring uh, the coming of Christ, all of us will pass from this life. But it's our labor to leave a legacy, and Paul has done that. His legatee here is Timothy, but he had others, Titus. B. 
because he's concerned about future generations. And it's a reminder that God uses men and women. God doesn't need men and women. He doesn't need anything or anyone, but that's who he chooses to use. Men and women. There's also family. He calls his helpers family. It's kind of a beautiful term for the affection that he had with those who labored with him. We don't think in those terms, but perhaps we should. All of us in this room have family. Aunts and uncles and grandparents and so on and so forth. Uh, Paul's family uh, was helpers in the church. Saw them as his kinsmen. They were his aunts and uncles. Grandparents. Lucius uh, may be referenced in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, as a prophet and a teacher. Uh, Jason gave hospitality to Paul in Thessalonica in a very turbulent time. I mean, they came after Jason, threw him in jail, questioned him. Again, uh, sometimes in civil government, things get out of control. May occur in our country. I mean, we don't know. May become dangerous to be a Christian. It's always dangerous in some parts of the world. Certainly there's always spiritual danger. Uh, but Jason stood fast in trouble. Acts chapter 17, verses 5 to 9. Uh, Sosipater was a travel companion from Berea, Acts 24. Tertius was Paul's amanuensis, uh, or the scribe that actually wrote the letter. Paul is a, uh, Paul's the author of the letter from a human sense. There's a divine author in God himself. Uh, but God uses men, in this case, to write the scriptures, and Paul is using a scribe. Gaius was a convert from Corinth. He hosted Paul, and there was a church in his home. Erastus was a city official. Cortus was a brother in the faith. So all I'm really saying by these greetings is that Paul had helpers. As great a man as Paul was, he couldn't have made it alone. We always have people um, that think they're loners. They're, think of the faith that it's impossible to be a loner. Uh, just too challenging of a task. Too dangerous of a task. Um, it's the importance of relationships the life of the church. Uh, we, we try to prosper those here. Uh, we don't rule over them because people are attracted to whom they're attracted to on a human level. But God, God would have us build relationships. Uh, in a human sense, it's the essence of life, building relationships with men and women, or friends, if you will. That's a, perhaps a different uh, term that might be attracted to you. Uh, Relations are critical in the life of the church. They're critical in advancing the gospel. Uh, because, again, the task is sometimes overwhelming. Um, I, would, I would encourage you to establish relationships. Maybe it's a prayer partner. Maybe you have a special friend that, for whatever reason, a sort of personality is involved that you're uh, attracted to, um, 
maybe you should develop a prayer partnership and keep, keep a log of their concerns and ask them to keep a log of yours. Pray for them. Uh, because that's how relationships are formed and that's how the church is strengthened. Uh, and that's true not just in uh, life of the church, it's true in life. Uh, we, you know, we need friends, we need associates. God is gracious, gives us such. Um, there's always stories about loners who, you know, mountain men, go into the forest never to return. It's uh, not a lifestyle that is the church because we're not made that way. We are made to be witnesses of the gospel, to share the faith, to advance the faith. Verses 25 to 27, uh, we learn that God is the ultimate provision for witness. Uh, obviously, there are means of grace in the church, but the ultimate provider is God Himself. Uh, these verses uh, we would call a doxology because they are a praise of God. And the praise is based upon divine ability. Uh, one, of, one of the instrumental realities of the Protestant Reformation that we adhere to at Grace Bible Church is the inability of man. Even as Christians, we have been given ability in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we are still unable. We still need God's help. And so Paul is repairing to that help. He describes God in this way, to him who is able, to the only wise God. God is able. And the particular reference, I think, is to advance the faith, to advance the witness, Church of Rome. And from Rome, we know that Paul wants to move on, always moving, always advancing. But God is able. True in the life of the church. We ask God would bless our ministry in Uganda and the Congo and elsewhere. Uh, that God is able to make things happen. And that's true in your personal life as well. Things break. We get sick. God is able. Not to say that He doesn't use means. We know from the Scriptures He uses means. If you need to see a physician, see one. Um, kind of a silly illustration, but if your pipes are broken, if you want to, pray over it. Better yet, call a plumber. God uses men and women. It's true to advance the faith. Uh, it implies that in and of ourselves we are not able and therefore need power, and God is the source of all power. It also uh, implies that there are situations in life that require divine power. And God is able to exercise it uh, by His will. If He wills, He can will it to be so. For our encouragement, we are reminded that God is able to, in the text, words of the Apostle Paul, um, to establish us. Now to Him who is able to establish you. Uh, in the immediate context, I think there's a measure of what that means. Namely, false witness always abounds. If you look at 
uh, verses 17 to 20, there's uh, trouble in terms of false teachers. Paul says, turn away from them. Oh, church needs to be established. False teachings will never establish the church. The deceiver is always present with masterful counterfeits. Uh, we have to know the scriptures so that we can turn away from them. And uh, we have the scriptures which is able to establish us. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 20. Another great illustration of the need to be established. It's even more sinister than the dangers in Romans 16, verse 17. Uh, Acts chapter 20, and verse 32, And now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Why is he commending him to God? Is there some danger present? Yeah, there really is. It's not just an external danger, it's an internal danger within the church. Notice verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things. Sometimes the church can be a dangerous place. And ultimately, while we have the Scriptures... And we have elders to protect. Sometimes the only defense is God. Here, God is able to establish us in the apostolic gospel and the preaching about Christ. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's what establishes the church. apostolic uh, legacy that's been left to us. Parallel phrase is preaching about Christ. So that what establishes us is the act and the content of the gospel. The act in the sense that uh, Paul is uh, sending an epistle. That epistle has been left for us by God in His providence. And there's also the continual preaching of the gospel. What is the preaching of the gospel? The act and the content that the apostles have left us. Nothing new. And God is the only supreme power that can really make that happen. Um, you know, in the theology of the Protestant Reformation, there is an affirmation that men are totally depraved. So only God can give them new hearts. He sends us to share with them about the content of the gospel, but only God can invade their hearts and give them new hearts. Whether He wills to do so or not is totally up to Him. Uh, he doesn't give us that knowledge. He simply gives us the command to go and what to preach. Exactly what Paul is doing. Uh, we remind you that in the history of the faith, uh, apostasy is a very prevailing force. We know from Acts chapter 20, it's entered the church. It's always entering the church. Men are always adding to it, subtracting from the gospel. Uh, turn with me, uh, if you would, to uh, another great, one of my favorite doxologies, uh, Jude verse 24. 
Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of His glory blameless with great joy. Ultimately, the only ability that enables you to stand before God as a sinner is God's grace and His ability. Uh, Why is uh, Jude repairing to God in His ability? Well, he tells us in... uh, Verses 3 and 4, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. We have a deposit delivered to the saints once for all. Why is that so important? For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. The church is always being invaded. What protects us is the apostolic uh, act and content of the gospel. Once for all delivered to the saints. If you will, nothing new. It's been delivered, but we must transmit it to future generations. And uh, a divine power is necessary for that. Because there are no guarantees. No guarantees in this life, except God. Uh, in, in many respects, Paul is circling back to chapter 1. And verse 4. Respecting the Son, who was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Declared with power. Christ is power. The gospel is power. We share it. If God wills it to be powerful, he wills it to be so. But that doesn't change the necessity of our going and our proclaiming. Why do we go? The only reason at all we go to share the gospel is because God has power. If he didn't have all power to change hearts, it'd be, I mean, it'd be impossible to go. It'd just be wasting our time. We don't waste our time because he has power. Verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Everyone who believes, Jew first also to the Greek. Then the sharing of the gospel... If God wills to catch someone, he exercises his power in an instant. Men and women, boys and girls, believe in Christ. Great illustration. You and I are called upon to transmit the message. Not to change it. Transmit it to future generations. But we must trust God's power to make it effective. We must also trust God's power to keep us steadfast because to depart from the gospel is the path of ruin. And everywhere, all over our country, men are doing that. If you read the Daily Oklahoman, I do, seemingly less and less. Churches pulling out of... uh, Methodist Conference, or whatever they call their governing power. Some of those pulling out are because they have changed the gospel. 
Sad, but it's always happening. And it will continue to happen. You say to yourself, well, I'm so glad that won't ever occur at Grace Bible Church. Really? Do you know that? Can you speak that with certainty? You really can't. So we trust God's power each and every day. Preserve and keep us. And that's what God is. He's a preserver and keeper of His own. Thank God. Pray that we are His own. If you're not a Christian, you're only numbered among those who are His own by believing in Christ as your only Redeemer, forsaking all others. I trust and pray every day for God's power to protect and preserve this church. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. Faithfulness and God go together. It's what God is to His people. Begs the question, though, doesn't it? Are we faithful? God is worthy of our trust. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. If He wasn't, none of us in this room would make it. None of us. Because the evil one has more power than us. Apostle John says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's a source of our victory. And so we trust God each and every day. We don't take him for granted, by the way. And neither do we face him with presumption. I'll always be safe. What me worry? I can neglect the means of grace. That's, that's the way to ruin. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. The apostle says, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself protect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Uh, so we all go through difficult times, some times of tribulation and suffering. You know, in my theology, I believe the end time tribulation has begun. The greatest marker of it all was deception, flooding into churches. Sometimes we suffer as a result of it but uh, we certainly um, ask God to protect and preserve us. Uh, Paul also says that the, his gospel is according to the revelation of the mystery. Mystery. Uh, mystery is described here with three modifiers. It was hidden in times past. Uh, it's not something that uh, is entirely new to the Apostle Paul, but it required revelation. God gave it to the Apostles. It's now manifested and made known according to the Scriptures by the will of God. Uh, if you will, to use a, a tree metaphor, uh, the Gospel um, in all of its full-blown reality was in a seedling form. In the New Testament, we have the tree. The fullness of the tree. The allusions are to the power of the gospel to save beginning with Abraham and unto the nations. And God is continuing to save. By the way, that, that is why we share the gospel, because He's continuing to save. 
If he ever stopped saving, just simply be a waste of time. But he doesn't stop. He's continuing to save. And he will continue to save until the Savior comes again. Uh, two purpose clauses to the revelatory event. First is God is made known. The obedience of faith. Made known to the apostolic company. The obedience of faith. New American Standard has made known to all the nations leading to the obedience of faith. The obedience here is either the truth of the faith or obedience in response to the faith or both and. But the stress is on the importance of obedience. From a human standpoint, obedience is the visible evidence of genuine faith. Visible evidence of genuine faith. You and I meet people all the time. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Yes, I know Christ. And if our relationship perhaps goes on you know, beyond that, we, we need to understand that sometimes there's simply professions that are bare and naked. Uh, absent obedience, one should question their faith is genuine because God always works within us by His divine power, uh, the expression of obedience. And God is able to do that. It's what He does. Uh, he enables us by His power to obey. By the way, when I mention bare professions, that becomes an opportunity for someone, for me, perhaps even you, to do what? To witness that genuine faith leads to obedience. It's the proof that the profession is genuine. Now, notice I did not say perfection. I said obedience. We're always struggling with that. But over time and in degree, God is at work, working obedience. And Paul has come full circle again uh, from Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 5. To bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. That's what Paul was laboring for, the obedience of the faith. Obedience in common aspects of the faith, like attending church, partaking of the sacraments, being true to our word. And the gospel real to Paul was to all the nations power to save the elect from among the nations. Paul, as you know, was an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter to the Jews. So Paul was always pressing the gospel onward. Second or parallel purpose of the revelation of the mystery is Paul's universal apostolic message and mission. Uh, 
It's an allusion, I think, to Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. Genesis 49.10 The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Shiloh is a messianic reference. What does Shiloh do among his people? He works obedience. It's a magnificent occasion to share with people today about the obedience of the faith. Context is Jacob is blessing his sons, in particular his son Judah. And the scepter will remain with this tribe until Shiloh comes. And the rule will engage the obedience of the Gentiles and bring them into the people of God. Probably the reference to the mystery. Explosive reality of Gentiles coming to the obedience of faith. That was in seedling form in the Old Testament. Every now and then you'd come across a Gentile who believes in God, comes to faith, obeys God. New Testament's explosive. It's a reminder that the eschatological promise of Genesis 49.10 has begun fulfillment in Christ and Paul's ministry and the saving power of the Gospel to enable men and women to the obedience of the faith. That we belong to God by trusting the Gospel about Christ. It's also a Gospel that leads to obedience in its content and the faith that embraces it and relies upon it. Well, like you, I sometimes have to say, Lord, thank Thee for the forgiveness of my disobedience. Help me with Thy enablement and power to get it right the next time. I always remind people, the Christian life is not perfection in this life. But notwithstanding some denominations. That's because they redefine sin. But nonetheless, we rely upon God to enable us in obedience. It's true that the Old Testament anticipates Gentiles. New Testament is the expansive reality on the power to save. That power is still working. How does it work? By word and spirit. We share the word. Only the spirit can make it happen. We pray that there would be a marriage of the two every time we share the Gospel. We share the Word. If the Spirit wills to save, He wills to save. By the way, if He wills to save you, you owe your faith to the power of God. The provision of the Gospel is the outworking of the righteousness of God. It's really the entire subject of the entire epistle. Uh, when we say gospel, uh, my own mind, this entire epistle is about the gospel. It's the greatest definition of the gospel in all of the scriptures. Not the only occasion, but it is, I think, the greatest. Galatians, for example, is what the gospel is not. Romans is what the gospel is. Theologically, it is about the righteousness of God. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. 
The gospel is not just saving us and bringing us to faith. It's preserving and keeping us to the end. To the end. Waiting the consummation and glory. The movement, if you recall, study of the book of Romans, about the begin, Paul begins, as you know, with the condemnation of the whole world. Jew and Gentile. The religious Jews. The evil Gentiles. The condemnation of them all. And the need for righteousness. It is a need so pronounced. It's a recognition of our bankruptcy. God is totally righteous. We do not have any righteousness whatsoever. So how do we become righteous? God gives it in His grace. His his sovereign grace. So God is gracious and makes legal provision in the satisfaction of wrath in the doctrine of justification received by faith. We don't earn it. We couldn't earn it. This is followed by the practice of righteousness or life in the Spirit whereby the Spirit dwells within us and begins moral renewal. It's a constant work and will continue throughout our lives until Christ comes again. We have a legal provision in the Son, moral provision in the Spirit. God works both in His sovereign power. Justification is a one-time event. Sanctification is continual renewal. We're in constant need of renewal. And that's what the Spirit works within dwells within us, working that. And the expectation of our righteousness is that God works all things together for good for those that belong to Him. If you do not belong to God, He is working all things for your ruin. You may perceive many of those things to be to your good. But if you don't know Christ, they will ultimately lead to your ruin and moral bankruptcy. Our need for moral renewal is constant. So He is working all things for the good for those who are justified and will vindicate us in the end and enable us to conquer every every enemy so that nothing can separate us from His love. Paul then vindicates the righteousness of God in dealing with Israel and concludes with the application of that righteousness in our hearts in transformation and renewal. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And don't be conformed to this world. Two courses of life. Just two. Those that are being conformed to this world that are awaiting uh, final judgment and eternal ruin and those who are experiencing moral renewal. They've been justified, uh, declared righteous uh, because of God the Son and the Spirit continues to work moral renewal. It's a great illustration of this in the history of the church. Uh, 
18th century, a gentleman by the name of Asahel Nettleton. Nettleton, uh, was a young boy, obviously, uh, grew up in a Calvinistic church. Most of the churches uh, then were, the church was universally Calvinistic. Uh, there might have been a few, but generally speaking, the churches, uh, early tradition of our country were all Calvinistic. They were all reformed. Now, by the way, that's a great illustration of the importance of uh, our need for the grace of God to preserve and keep because in many respects we haven't preserved and kept. We've fallen away into retreat. But Nettleton grew up in a Calvinist church and he, he memorized the catechism. His parents uh, led him in memorizing the shorter catechism. By the way, that's a pretty daunting task, but can be accomplished. But one day, standing alone in a field, Nettleton watched the sun go down. And the nightfall reminded him that his own life would one day fade into a dark, Christless eternity. It's a sense, of course, of dread and doom that plagued him. Terrorized him. But gradually the terror passed. And peace came about with a change of mind about Christ and the gospel and the obedience of faith. Nettleton became one of the greatest evangelists of what historically we know in America as the Second Great Awakening roughly 1790 to 1830, Second Great Awakening. By the way, it had a counterfeit, as you know, in the theology of Charles Finney. But there's always counterfeits. Nettleton was the real deal. Because God made him so. So Romans is our content of the gospel. And God is the power to save. Nettleton is a life of one who experienced both in content and God's saving power. It's really our witness. We press the apostolic tradition. And we pray that God would exercise His power to save. If you're a parent, You know what that means when you're dealing with your children. You can't save them. Don't try. Just share the gospel. Only God can save. In our prosecution of the gospel, foreign lands, particularly here, Grace Bible, particularized in the Congo and Uganda, pressing the Reformed tradition and then asking God to give his power to save. It's also our reliance. We rely upon God. Because only He can save. We can share the gospel, but only God can save. I'd remind you, as you prosecute the faith and the living of the gospel, don't try to save people. Just share the gospel. Because only He can save. 
That is our gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 5, verse 16. To the end of the book. Power of God to save. I trust you are relying upon that power in your own personal life to keep and preserve you. If you have children, that God in His grace would save them because only He can. And so we wait upon God, trust His power. And we acknowledge as the apostles too that God is faithful. But certainly we can trust Him because certainly He has the power. And may God manifest that in our hearts this day for His glory and for the advancement of His kingdom. And may He come quickly to save us by His power.